Week 16, Home Dogs Podcast. Mike, Mark, and Travis with you as always. Only two weeks left in the NFL season. We got to make up a lot of ground here, but we're coming off a 3-1-1 one, one week, our best week since week eight. Hard to believe we had a really rough stretch there from week nine to week 14. We are 37, 34, and four on the season. So respectable, not terrible, but not great. We are 310th place in the Westgate Super Contest. We're three points out of the money. So maybe if we go eight and two, maybe if we go nine and one, maybe we go 10 and 0 the next couple of weeks, we could sneak into that top 100. Probably a pipe dream, but you know, we got to go down swinging. We can still try and match our record of last year or better. So a lot of things to shoot for. Always trying to get better. Though this week, speaking of better, one of the winning games we had was the New York Jets covering a 17 and a half point spread against the Rams. They not only covered, they won the game. They blew their chance at Trevor Lawrence. Tough, tough day for our friend Mark here as a Jets fan. Uh, how are your emotions uh, this Wednesday night on Christmas Eve Eve? obviously ruined my Christmas and my, my whole year. You know, it's funny. I'm not usually a fan of tanking and you know, the Jets haven't been good for about 10 years now. And I feel like in every other year as a Jets fan, I've, I've really rooted for them to win. And even a couple years ago, they were playing the bills in like a week 17 game and it like moved them down a draft spot and they weren't able to get Nick Bosa. Um, and I was, I was okay with that. Like I'm fine in general with, with not tanking. And I, I usually root for the team, but you know, from, from the minute that this administration was hired, um, Adam Gase and Greg Williams, it was just such an unlikable coaching staff. It, it was just hard to get on board with this team. And then with what went on this year, they lost their first seven or eight games. I, you know, I, I get I got in on the tanking and I, I got sucked into the Trevor Lawrence stuff. Um, so this uh, this recent win really stung for me as a Jets fan. I, I was pretty heartbroken. So it's kind of hard to, to kind of figure out where to turn from here um just texting with some other close friends that are also jets fans um just kind of thinking about the scenarios it's it's kind of you know it's almost like a hopeless feeling and this, this franchise has has really tormented us uh in in my lifetime so t- tough week but uh good week for the home dogs um don't mean to to start this podcast with a downer but in a little bit of a somber mood somber mood this week <laughs> i don't think i've ever heard you that sad and despondent as a jets fan in my whole life would you I mean, ever consider giving up the tickets at this point or no? You're in forever. Oh, no, it's funny. I, I actually I had a conversation with my with uh, some family members uh, a few weeks ago. It's like, what are we even paying for with the, with these tickets? It's like, what, what's the point? And this this past week's game, it, it really pissed me off. I mean, you know, I, I'm rooting for the players. Like, I understand the players want to win. But just the, the whole Rams decision making in, in that game, I mean, the, the punt returner not going up the sideline the, and the Jets punter making the tackle. Um, and then the third and three and fourth and three calls by McVay, the, the deep passes really pissed me off. And then the Rams defense on the next series, not being able, being able to get any stops. Um, then of course we had Brock Heward involved as the, as the color analyst. So it, it was just a, it's just an awful game and I don't really want to touch too much on it, but, uh, in, in a tough spot right now. All right. Well, glad to get your thoughts. Luckily, at least we had a winning week with the three one and one record. Uh, when we're watching our games, though, we always like to say we're, that we're cursed, that we we put a hex on these games. I think Trav was the first one who started saying it. And as an example, in the five games we took last week, we had three players fumble on the one yard line and not score. We had Teddy Bridgewater on Saturday night try and do the old Drew Brees over the top, had the ball immediately bat out of his hands. Then we had DeAndre Swift try and jump over the pile. He got it knocked out with a helmet, and it got returned like 50 yards the other way. And then we had the Texans plus seven at Indy. They're driving for the tie. Kiki Kuti catches the ball and has it knocked out right on the one-yard line into the end zone. Of course, nobody on Houston falls on it, and and Indy recovers, and the game's over, and we push. Trav, it's just uh, we seem to do this to all these teams, don't we? Uh, we do. Those are all really good examples and it lets people kind of behind the curtain on how cursed, as you said, we are. But I mean, when I look at this week, you know, we I think we said on last week's podcast that we're kind of going back to basics on some of the stuff, taking some divergent trends on percent bets and money, some home dogs. You know, it's interesting. We went into the weekend with five dogs. Uh, the five teams we took had a combined record of 17 and 48 and we're playing opponents with a combined record of 42 and 23. In total, in our five games, we got a combined 47 points. 
and we managed to squeeze out three and a half points in the contest. So I think we did pretty damn well for ourselves this week. Again, kind of getting back to basics with some of the stuff that we would have played in the past that just hasn't worked out this year because it's been so bizarre all over. But I mean, it feels more this year than any that we've just been cursed with this kind of shit. Um, the fumbles and the penalties and whatever happens, you know, it, we never seem to get a break. The one break I feel like we've gotten recently was the Baltimore game. Um, but beyond that, it's been pretty ugly. But it was nice to get back to basics and get rewarded for it because we took some really ugly games. We took the Cowboys. We took the Jets. You know, we're taking the Texans. We took the Panthers at Lambeau. So to win those games and know that they were the right side always feels good. Uh, Before we go around and talk about what games we want to like, I want to start just with the three early games and get those out of the way in case we want to take one of them. If we want to take the Friday game on Christmas Day or the first two games on Saturday, we have to get our picks in really early. Uh, They have to be in by 1 p.m. on Friday afternoon. So we have those three games. We have Minnesota plus seven at New Orleans on Christmas Day. Detroit laying nine and a half. I mean, sorry, Detroit giving nine and a half to the Bucks early on Saturday afternoon. And then Arizona, San Francisco, that game, I guess it's a home game for both teams out in Phoenix. And Arizona's favored by five in that one. So I personally, the only game that kind of stands out to me, I kind of like San Francisco plus five in that game. I think you're just getting really good value on them at this point. Their value can't be any lower. They just keep losing game after game. And I don't know, maybe Arizona shouldn't be favored by this many points. They, they're just not that impressive. Teams are right there in DVOA. Arizona's 13, San Francisco's 14. 49ers actually, I don't think, played that poorly against Dallas. They're just, the turnovers just cost them again. They're minus four in the turnover margin. They actually outgained Dallas by a lot. And Dallas scored most of their points when they got the ball in San Francisco territory, basically because Nick Mullins sucks. So, there's a chance Jimmy Garoppolo's back. There's a chance they might go to Beathard. Maybe Mullins getting out of there is the is the recipe that they need to maybe cover in a divisional game. It seems like Kyle Shanahan does well against his divisional opponents. What do you think about this game, Trav, and, and maybe the other two, if those stand out to you as well? Yeah, I didn't really have much. I mean, the, the one game that I was interested in kind of uh, on the, the margin, I guess, would be Minnesota um, getting seven just because there's divergence in the bets and money there as it relates to Arizona and San Francisco. I mean, I could probably be convinced of San Francisco plus five, but I don't think I like it enough out of the gates to um, sacrifice, you know, another day and a half of analysis on the other games and waiting for injury and COVID news. Uh, to lock it in. I mean, I think you made a lot of good points, man. San Francisco's rushing defense is pretty good. So I like that matchup against Arizona, but Arizona can still beat you through the air. It feels like they're going to win games by, you know, touchdowns, not field goals. So I'm not sure the five is enough. I don't know that I like, or I would be comfortable with any of the San Francisco quarterback options at this point. So I just San Francisco, I'm a little bit gun shy on right now. Yes, yeah, so it's funny. I actually had uh, San Francisco at the top of my list this week. Um, I don't think I realized that uh, the picks had to be submitted that early, so maybe that would cloud my judgment a little bit. But I actually really like San Francisco here. I'm kind of going on that new quarterback making their first start of the season. I assume C.J. Bethard is going to be the starter for San Francisco this week. And I just kind of was reviewing uh, this year like how quarterbacks making their first start of the season backup quarterbacks making their first start of the season it's been really profitable um I, I, we've kind of talked about it talked about it on our text thread uh this year but uh, i'm just gonna give you a couple names who've, who've made their first start and covered in their first start brandon allen mike lennon ryan finley this past week Taysom hill uh you have the rookie quarterbacks uh tua herbert so it's just been a generally profitable play um i think this line's inflated based off uh, San Francisco's performance this past week. Like Mike, like you said, they had a lot of turnovers in that game. The trends are really good, I think. I think all the bets and money are on Arizona right now. You know, Maybe this is not like a true road game for San Francisco because they've been playing and practicing, basically living in Arizona the last month. So maybe, maybe in that sense, the, the line is a little inflated. Um, the downside is that C.J. Bethard is 1-9 uh, career record. So not not not... Not great straight up, but um, I, I do remember taking him in Lambeau a couple years ago. I think we took him in the contest and, and he covered. So I, I feel like there's value on San Francisco, but maybe not worth it to take it in the contest just because we have to submit so early. I feel like when San Francisco, like because they've kind of rotated these quarterbacks a little bit to some degree in the last couple of years. And whenever someone starts a game and then the other guy comes in, it feels like it works well. You know, like I can remember feeling like Beathard was the guy when he came in for Mullins a couple times before, you know, even this past weekend. So, I mean, I, I could be convinced. I mean, the one thing on the turnovers, you know, we've been burned by them. San Francisco turning the ball over 
uh, in a couple different games this year, but they are second to last in the league in turnovers per game at two. In their last three games, they've turned the ball over three times uh, on average, and they turned it over, you said, four times last week. So, you know, maybe it's bad luck, but they are at the bottom of the league in terms of turnovers. So it could be more consistent than we than we give it credit for. Yeah, I was going to say we've, we've been involved with them a lot recently, and it seems like it's a pattern and not necessarily a luck thing. Mark, I do love your pronunciation, as you call him, Beth Hard. Uh, I think it's just Bethard. I prefer beat, beat hard, which is the way it's spelled. Also, it makes me laugh. I, I don't. Need, I think we need to force it, but I think we can. We can let it marinate and, and see how it works over Christmas Eve, and then if we like it, maybe go for it. One note about this game: it can only be seen exclusively on Amazon Prime, so not on any of the major TV networks. So you got to stream this one to hear Andrew Catalan and James Lofton on the call. Why in this game do we have to submit earlier when it's a set? Oh, because it's Saturday afternoon, not Saturday night. Yeah, this one's four thirty. Yep. Eastern, I guess two thirty out in Arizona during the winter. So um, that's that's interesting that it's it's a stream only game. I I don't know. I feel like that's like a nice experiment to have have, because I I was always curious, like how just because there's time delay if if you're streaming a game in terms of, I feel like a lot of people watch a game kind of on Twitter or they kind of follow along on Twitter. Um, I'm just curious how how that all is going to play out with live betting now too. Yeah, that that too. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, I guess when if everyone's on the same stream though, then then that's good. As yeah, opposed no, to like sometimes yeah. where I'm I'm at home on YouTube TV if I'm not in the office and and you guys are are I'll try not I'll try to put my phone like upside down and then I'll check after like every three or four plays to see what you guys have said because I'm usually way behind. So well, it's inside it's baseball funny. there. Uh, it's <laughs> funny, Mike. On Sundays, I feel like you will text me a play because I feel like you have this like super live feed being you know in, at NBC that. You know, you're like five or ten seconds ahead of whatever I'm watching. Yeah, I feel like you're you've been really up to date though this year. Whatever the Directv is compared to years past, is that not true? Uh, I, th- I think sometimes I'll I'll turn on cable just to kind of keep up with you. But yeah, if I'm watching a game on Directv, sometimes I, I feel like I'm a little bit behind. It it's all it all depends on cable provider. Or sometimes I sometimes I am watching games over the air like with the old school antenna, and that's the fastest you can get anywhere. So. Whatever. Besides the point, uh, I guess we'll keep San Francisco around, see if we like it tomorrow enough to, to rush these things, if they have other games that we'd like. I like Minnesota too, Trav. I just don't know. No, like I, said, I wouldn't. No, I don't yeah. want to. Actually, the game we should like out of this group feels like it should be Detroit, but um, I think there's just too much COVID uncertainty with the coaching staff. And then, you know, we've played Detroit a couple times and just it hasn't worked out very well for us. But, you know, getting nine and a half at home against the Bucks feels pretty juicy, but this may be the week the Bucks just blow someone out. I feel like we're all just waiting for the Bucks to blow somebody out. Maybe they can't do it. We'll move on from uh from those games. Mark, what do you have uh, as your top play? I guess you had you had San Francisco. So what what do you have after that for the non early games? It's a little bit near and dear to my heart. Uh, I'm kind of hinted at it earlier this week, but uh, as a Jets fan, I need this Jags win. I need it. I'm taking the Jags plus seven and a half versus versus Chicago. Um, I think I had quoted this uh, a couple weeks ago on the podcast that the look-ahead line for this game was uh, Jags minus one. Now the line is Chicago minus seven and a half. Chicago has covered their last three straight, uh, but they've played pretty inferior in comp- inferior competition. Covered against Detroit. They covered against Houston. They covered against Minnesota. Um, I'm not saying this Jags team is, is a world beater, but I kind of like them in this spot. I feel like there's some value on it. The trends are pretty good. A lot of bets on Chicago, a lot of, a lot of money on Jacksonville. Give me Marone and Minshew one more time, as much as it's going to hurt, but uh, I got to play it. No, we said last time was the last time with Marone, and he did not come through <laughs> for us, and this is the last time. You are way too on tilt here and, and emotional about this, so I think this is <laughs> well, best this- for you. This game was in my top five, too. Um, I really don't want to be on them here, but getting the hook as the home dog seems like value. And Mark referenced the trends before. Jacksonville's three and three against spread as a home dog this year, so that's not terrible. Chicago hasn't been a road fave yet. Now they walk in. They're seven and a half point faves against Jacksonville. It's kind of interesting that Jacksonville's also played the NFC North pretty well. So Detroit beat them up early in the year uh, and won by, I think, 18. But then They lost to Green Bay by four and Minnesota by three. So they played some pretty close games against the NFC North. They played some close games recently. What worries me a little bit is since Mitch came back, Chicago's averaged 30 points a game on offense. So Mm -hmm. it's, uh, again, Mitch was 3-0 and when they yanked him, and now he's come back, and he's the offense is much better. So, you know, Nagy should have to answer for that. Not that Mitch is a world beater. This is like another Bortles argument, I feel like. But it's scary, but seven and a half is enough where I, I I would take it. 
so my counter is as having known this game was coming. I did some some preparation on this one, but um, <laughs> a besides before I get into my anti Jacksonville arguments, Greg Gumbel's calling this game, so we do get to hear him say Chicago about fifty five times Chicago. per game. So that that's worth it. Uh, but the Jaguar, Jaguars rushing defense is atrocious. They gave up 159 yards on the ground to Baltimore, 249 to the Titans, 145 to the Vikings, and 207 to the Browns their last four games. David Montgomery's actually been cooking right now with Chicago. He's had three or four really good games in a row. The offensive line looks better, so that, that side of it worries me. There's some weird stuff going on with James Robinson resting, I guess, in practice this week. Unclear if the Jags are just pulling these guys now. I feel like they can really taste the Trevor Lawrence thing, so I am worried about them pulling some some shady things with game day inactives. Maybe one guy's a little banged up, they're not going to push him, or they're going to limit this guy Robinson's touches. Because Marone basically didn't have a good explanation. He's just like, we're resting him today in practice. So, guy's been their best player all year. Uh, I, I don't know. So why wouldn't they just be resting him in practice? I don't know. I, I feel like they're, they're resting these guys in practice, and maybe they're just not going to play, or they're going to work in younger guys in rotation. Just like... There's things you can do to, to tank while not actively tanking, and, and I think I think the Jags know that they're in the, in the driver's seat now, and I don't think they want to screw it up. And and if Marone wants to keep his job, then maybe the best thing he can do is is go one and fifteen to actually keep his job. Do you think Marone? I feel like he has no incentive to not play his guys, right? I, I feel like he's a dead man walking. I mean, they they're one in fourteen right now. I don't know if he's a dead man walking. He this guy has talked himself into keeping this job through three general managers and they just fired another one. Uh, I don't I know. He's gone. I, I, I don't think he can survive. Chicago has nothing to do to me. I don't care really who plays. Honestly, I think a backup coming in for Jacksonville is going to be more hungry than anyone else. So that the, you know, you're getting seven and a half points against a team. That's maybe they are feisty. The defense is good. Mitch has been better, but I still think uh, it's, it's enough value to be interesting. So 91% of the money is actually on the Jags right now. Yeah. So that's 70% kind of, of the bets are on Chicago. Yeah. So this is the exact divergence that we should in the past would have been looking for. I feel like, yes, but don't we, don't we get a little freaked out once it hits, goes above that 90 mark? Yeah. So if you're 2%, 2 yeah. percentage points lower, you'd be happy. <laughs> I might be maybe closer to 80. I don't know. I feel right. like we've only seen like games that have had like 90% bets and 90% money. It's, yeah, it's not like this divergence that, that yeah, it's not going to run this game. Yeah. I'll, I'll keep them around and let you guys try and convince me on this one the rest of the week. I just don't. I don't see Jack, the Jacksonville motivation at all to cover or keep this one close. They've they've looked like they've really have quit over the last few weeks because we took them against the Titans. I didn't see much there. We thought about taking them against Baltimore. I watched that game pretty closely. They totally tanked. We took them. We, I guess we went against them with the Browns and they covered and they had a close game in Minnesota. So maybe just the last two weeks, it kind of all flamed out after they competed hard for a while. I'll uh, fire up whatever I have top of my list here. Uh, San Francisco has a number two play, a number one play, the Raiders on also on Saturday. That's the eight o'clock game, which we can submit normal deadline. They are getting three against Miami in the contest. Marcus Mariota's going to be the starter. He was a little lively in that Thursday game. Really extended rest. I feel like, you know, emotional game for Miami beating New England. They're 11 and three against the spread tops in the NFL. It's got to it's got to come back to earth at some point. They got to be due for a regression here, and I think Las Vegas is a tough place to play. That offense can do some things. I obviously am worried about the, the Raiders' defense; it's terrible. But maybe the Raiders officially being eliminated just lets Gruden kind of open things up and take some chances and have some fun. So maybe they pull off the upset here and 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 then their final home game on a high note. What do you think here, Mark? Yeah, actually, I had this in my my top five as well. Um, this is kind of a swing for the fences play. I mean, I hate this Raiders team right now, but. Um, I feel like everybody does, so so I feel like as a contest play, it, it might might make sense. Um, I think Miami's going to be consensus this week. Last week, the, the Raiders had fired their defensive coordinator on a short week where they had a Thursday game. So maybe with this kind of extra half week of, of preparation, Rod Baronelli can uh, straighten out that defense and maybe make them uh, perform a little bit. Um, it seems like all the trends are on Miami right now. And Mike, like you said, the Miami's number one in the league right now. They're 11-3 against the spread on the season. That's best in the NFL. And the last thing I just want to mention that the, the Raiders have actually been pretty competitive in, in primetime this year. Uh, they beat New Orleans earlier this season, played the Chiefs close uh, last month, and then uh, last week they, they were competitive in that game against the Chargers, uh, albeit they lost and did not cover. Um, but I don't know. I, th- I think it's the right side, so I'm with you on that. 
I'm yeah. also just reading here. Sorry, Trav. Uh, Derek Carr practiced in full today, so he might actually be back as a starter. And I, I'm excited with either guy, but I didn't think he was actually going to play, and he's back. So, but go on. Yeah, no, th- this was in my top five as well. This is actually my number one pick. But you guys already covered all the points. I don't have a whole hell of a lot to add. I just don't see Miami getting to 12 and three against the spread. They've been really good. It's been a great year for them. The future's bright, but it's just ultimately these these things come back to earth. Um, Vegas is only two and three as a home dog, so I don't love that. Um, they haven't been good. They haven't covered since that Kansas City game last month, Mark, that you referenced. But they're due. Miami's going to come back to earth here at some point. So I think this is the right side to be on. I think it's 80% of the bets are on Miami and only about 50% of the money, roughly speaking. So uh, trends could favor Vegas, too. I, I think it's not going to be popular in the contest. So I, I like it. Miami 20 and six against the spread since week five of last year. Spectacular. Have we taken Miami this year at all? Can you yes, we took them in the Rams yeah. game and they, co- yep. they came through and we took them against the Seahawks and they came through, right? Okay. Oh, no, they, we, we took them against the no, Seahawks. No, they, they did not cover. cover but they, yeah. We took them against the Bills and we got a nice Fitzy backdoor, backdoor yeah. touchdown. Yeah. yeah. So we've, we've, we've gotten involved. Do, do we know the, the status of the Raiders uh, defensive players that have been out for COVID reasons or injury reasons? So Jonathan week? Abram practiced in full today, so he'll be back. Cleland Farrell has not practiced all week, so he's probably still out. Damon Arnett didn't play last week, the cornerback. He's been limited the last couple of days, but trending trending in the right direction, I would say, with a concussion. Generally, you're just limited. Hunter Renfro, he didn't play last Thursday. He practiced in full today, so he should be back. They're definitely getting some guys back. Uh, Jonathan Hankins also practiced in full today. I don't believe he played last week as well, the former Giant. Daryl Worley and the Johnson, I think the two cornerbacks, they're on the COVID list. I don't know, Mike, if you mentioned that. No, I did not. The Raiders just can't get off the COVID list this year. God. Yeah, crazy when you live in Vegas. It's weird. All right, so we all <laughs> obviously uh, <laughs> we'll keep that around and monitor the COVID games going forward. Trava, uh, you had the Raiders number one. What was number two? Uh, Jacksonville was number two, shockingly. The next one, uh, this is one I kind of went back and forth on, but I, I'm curious about Green Bay as a three and a half point home fave it's against three the three in the contest. Oh, it's three in the contest. All right. Maybe it's super square. The Titans are getting 75% of the bets and 90% of the money. Uh, it, it feels like Tennessee could be really popular. They're four and one straight up and against the spread in their last five. Green Bay is only two and four against the spread in their last six. They were obviously not great against the Panthers on Saturday night. They haven't been less than a five-point home fave all year, and they're six and one against the spread at home. So here they're the, you know, they're a three-point fave, so it's two points lower than, than they've been all year, and they're six and one in those games. Uh, two really good offenses, two average defenses. I think it's going to be plenty of points. So the three points that you're laying uh, may not be as much as it appears. So I, I don't know. It just feels like, uh, again, Green Bay two and four in, uh, against the spread in the last six. So a good chance to buy relatively low on them. But it, again, could be super square. So Yeah, that's juicy at three. I, th- I think I'm in on it. I haven't really done much analysis, but um, I, I think they're the right side. I feel like Tennessee's trending public. Uh, like you said, the yeah. trends are kind of currently on them. And Green Bay is coming off a non-cover. Tennessee, I feel like, has covered the last couple of weeks. So um, I could definitely get involved. Yeah, this was my number three play as well. Line open, Packers by four and a half. It's been bet down to three. Uh, as I texted you guys earlier today, there's going to be some pretty bad weather in Green Bay, supposedly on Sunday night, not necessarily snow, but some really high winds and freezing temperatures. So I just feel like that benefits Rodgers and the people who have that experience. And I, I do think Green Bay is an underrated rushing team. And I, I still think it was our thesis last week. This Titans defense is atrocious. And I think the Packers did. I'm sorry, the Lions actually did expose it. They just made some boneheaded plays in the red zone and turned it over one too many times. And then Stafford got hurt. But you can score points on the Titans. It's just a matter of outscoring them. So I, I think Henry will probably rush for 200 yards. And it seems like we've gone against Derrick Henry for many weeks in a row now. And it's terrible to watch, especially in December, but I'm in. I mean, it's kind of crazy. I'm just looking at at the Titans' last few games. They gave up 25 to Detroit last week. Um, the week before that, they gave up only 10 to Jacksonville. But before that, they, they gave up 41 to Cleveland, 26 to Indy, 24 to Baltimore. Um, so it, it it's not a good defense. Um, and even last week, like like you said, Mike, uh, Detroit turned it over a bunch of times in the red zone, so they could add a lot more points. I, I don't see how this this Green Bay offense doesn't kind of uh, explode this week. The question is whether they can stop uh, Tennessee on, on defense. Yeah, that's the flip side of it. Like in their last three games, I think Tennessee scored 37 points a game. Um, so the offense is firing. That's why I said two really good offenses because uh, they are. The uh, over-under in this game is... 56. This is pretty damn high. 
I think the Packers can lock up the number one seed in the NFC, if I'm not mistaken, this week if New Orleans falters. Yeah, there's uh, someone else is at 10 and 4. So if they lose this game, and I forget who that other team is at 10 and 4, I think. Yeah, New Orleans is 10 and 4. Seahawks Seattle's 10. 10 yeah, Seahawks are 10 and 4. But the Packers but, but, have the tiebreaker over the Saints. So they, they win that one. If, if Green Bay wins this week, though, they have the number one seed locked up. Is that right? I, I don't think that's guaranteed yet. Whatever. They, they have motivation to, to win this week. So I feel like Rodgers has been bored lately. They've just played a lot of really shitty opponents. And he, you can just think like, the way he like, li- like just lazes up there to the line and like looks around and like puts his hand in his pockets. Like we all fucking hate Aaron Rodgers. I love that we're, we're going to be back on the Packers this week and hating him in prime time. But at least it's the Sunday night game. So that's fun. And, and sorry, uh, just another quick thing to mention. I feel like uh, just the kicking matchup. I mean, Crosby, very reliable kicker, especially in cold weather. Guskowski this year for Tennessee has just been a little bit shaky. So if this is like a field goal game, uh, I'd rather have uh, Green Bay and Crosby. Definitely. Guskowski has actually been pretty good lately, but get him up there in the cold and the wind. The, the demons might start creeping in again. Mark, what else do you have in your uh, top three or four if we haven't gotten there all the way yet? So I, I didn't have a lot of games that I like this week, but I'm going to play the Jets again this week. Um, I just feel like Cleveland's riding a little too high right now. I think this is plus ten and a half in the contest. It's nine mm-hmm. and a half. Oh, nine and a half. Okay. Mm. Not sure if I like it as much at that number, but uh, I don't, I don't know. I, I actually just feel like as a lot of people have been saying in the media this week, I, I feel like this Jets team is just, it, it's not really a one in 14 team. Um, they've been competitive. They, they almost beat the Patriots uh, a few weeks ago on Monday night. They should have beat the Raiders. Um, they obviously won last weekend in against uh, the Rams. So I, I just feel like it's a lot of points for maybe a not so bad team. I, I don't really have much much else to add outside of that analysis um just seems like some value but just pencil um, mark in for jets and jags every week in the top five (laughs) (laughs) uh god if i'm comparing the two i think i like the jags better Uh, this cleveland team's good quinn williams being out sucks because i actually thought he played really well in the first three quarters of that rams game before he got hurt he was pretty disruptive when they were messing with Goff there in the first half so i do think that's kind of a big loss I just worry about the letdown factor for the Jets. I feel like they celebrated that game like they won the freaking Super Bowl. Maybe there's incentive to just keep it rolling. I just think Cleveland can can run the ball on them and, and control the clock. Maybe if we were getting the 10.5, like you said, I like I would like it a lot more. I hate that the Westgate dropped this under the 10, the key number there, and that bothers me. Trav, what do you think? Yeah, I, I think coming out of the Jets-Rams game, I said I wanted to fade the Jets and buy the Rams this week. So I had a light, light, light circle on Cleveland, but nothing to support it. Just that, you know, I think the Jets come not even back to earth, but whatever the hell, however you would describe that. Um, <laughs> I, I hear you, Mark. I mean, I do. I agree that they're better than a one in 13 team. Um, the rushing defense is actually pretty good. So I think that matchup is, you know, one that it does not necessarily favor Cleveland with their great running attack. Uh, it's kind of interesting. But, you know, this may be a week that Stefanski Let's Baker air it out a little bit more. I don't really know. I don't know how to read it. It's a game I really would prefer not to be involved in, but I don't really want to bet the Jets off a, off a win, frankly. I really don't need to force this. And I've already delved into kind of looking at the, the other quarterbacks in the, this year's draft. So just <laughs> looking at the historical comparisons, because there's both a BYU quarterback and an Ohio State quarterback that are potentially going to be in the, in the first round this year. I don't know if you guys know, like, the historical BYU quarterbacks, um, Steve or Young, histor- or historical uh, Ohio State quarterbacks. The, the Ohio State um, ones are not good. They're terrible. Uh, I'm going to give you guys a list because I have it on me. So, the last in the last 30 years, the Ohio State quarterbacks to enter the NFL: Dwayne Haskins, Cardell Jones, Terrell Pryor, Troy Smith, Craig Krenzel, Joe Germain, Bobby Hoyne, Kent Graham. I mean, that, that's that's awful. On the BYU side, Steve Young, Mike, you mentioned, Taysom Hill, Max Hall, John Beck, Ty Detmer. I'm not saying they're not that much better, but I don't know. You would think like a school like Ohio State would have a lot better quarterbacks. So anyway, I'm totally out on Justin Fields. Uh, I'm ready for Zach Wilson. Um, no, you can't take talk myself into <laughs> Don't you think <laughs> if you have the number two pick, it. you're better off just like trading down and getting some more picks or, or taking like a position of need and, and just giving Darnold one more chance? Well, I, I think they could trade down. And maybe still draft Wilson. Uh, maybe don't take him at yes. two. But um, and also, I was thinking, like, why, why can't they keep Darnold and also draft a quarterback? Like, like, why is that? Like, why is that like a, a no go? Like, nobody's talking Darnold's, about that scenario. Because Darnold's twenty three, so you're telling him that he's done, and you're asking him to hang on and you know play for a year while whatever happens happens. 
I but, truly, I don't, I don't think that works given his age. You can't have them like compete in 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 camp for a year. Or about, two? That's a lot of draft capital to spend uh, for yeah. a competition. That you're that you're telling. So if you're going to take a quarterback second overall and telling Darnold he has a fair shot to beat him out, then what do you do with that that player? You took the Cardinals took Rosen at what eight a couple of years ago, and the next year they traded him for nothing. Well, they they got a second round pick, right? I mean, no, it was like a fifth rounder. Yeah, I think it was a fifth rounder, and and then he got you know cut by the Dolphins too. So these guys they lose value incredibly quickly. Yeah, if you're going to get anything from Darnold, and even if it's like a third or a fourth rounder, it's going to be now, not when he sits on your bench for a year. And, and he knows that if they draft another quarterback, that means that this GM and whatever new coach they bring in will not have chosen him. So, like, what's a they keep Darnold this year? They draft a quarterback. The, the rookie quarterback beats him out in training camp. Darnold stays on as a backup. Then he signs somewhere else the next year, and whatever maybe does okay. Don't, they get like a compensatory pick, right? Like that's whatever. That's like a third rounder or a late third rounder or fourth rounder. I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm just there, I'm, there's I'm a knee deep in this. It, it sucks. We, we don't have to. I don't know what the formula is, but if you're gonna cut, you know, if your backup quarterback's gonna walk uh, in free agency, I don't think your compensatory pick would be third. Yeah. I, I just need some positivity. <laughs> well, here, how about no. this? You could take the court. You could take Justin Fields, and you could bring in Pat Fitzgerald, who is the coach that held him to one touchdown and two interceptions in the uh, Big Ten championship game. <laughs> I think Fields okay. stinks. I wouldn't touch him. I, yeah. I I didn't weigh in on this a couple weeks ago, and I can't really weigh in on Ohio State players. So I'm Michigan fans, so it's not fair. Um, but, but. I, I was I already be. thinking about like the thought of like Bill Belichick going up against Justin Fields. Like it's like no matchup. There's no <laughs> chance he has any chance. <laughs> I gotta say, Mark, this division is pretty damn scary. If you look looking ahead here with Flores and Tua and Josh Allen and Sean McDermott and Belichick and whatever he does next, like you have it's no terrifying. fucking chance of doing anything in the next five years. No, it's terrifying. And uh, after the share, if the both the the Browns and the Bucks. Both make the playoffs. Looks like, which it looks like they they both will. The the Jets will have the longest playoff drought in the NFL. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mark, you you sound extraordinarily resigned to your fate, which I I can certainly understand because you don't have the tiebreaker over Jacksonville. But like, is it possible Jacksonville wins one of these games? Like, I, I don't know. This just seems like this isn't done yet. This play isn't over yet. Oh, I mean, I, I, like I've been talking, like I, I think Jacksonville has a chance to win this week against the Bears. Um, and I'm hoping that <laughs> I'm hoping that happens. And if that happens, you know, then what the what the final act is. is yeah. Yeah. The, Bel- the Belichick thing is back <laughs> in play in week 17. Well, the, the, the only other thing that I was I've been texting with a couple other friends that are also Jets fans is that let's say Indy has their playoff spot locked up in week 17. Maybe they because they, they play Jacksonville in week 17. Maybe they. You know, not necessarily throw the game, but don't try as hard in that week seventeen again, week seventeen game against Jacksonville to kind of keep Trevor Lawrence out of that division. And I, I've talked myself into that scenario, but uh, it's it's clearly not logical. I just think I'm interested to see, and maybe we can talk about this game now. We've never seen Belichick eliminated from the playoffs with two weeks to go, so I don't know what kind of formulas he has. Does he immediately go into tank mode and is like, all right, we're not making the playoffs. Let's get the best draft pick we can in all rounds that, that you know, because he does value the third and fourth rounders and he can get a few slots higher in those rounds. Does that make him excited? Or is he trying to win games with Cam Newton still? I really have no idea what's going on. They're getting seven points on Monday night at home against the Bills, which seems crazy. If you would have penciled this line in in August, it would have been Pats by three, three and a half. Now they're a seven point home underdog. Some pretty crazy stats. Belichick is 14 and three against the spread and 12 and five outright as a home underdog in New England. In the last 15 seasons, New England is five and zero outright as a home underdog, including two and zero this season. So there are good historical trends for him to do very well here. I just, I honestly don't know his motivation. I don't. I do think the Bills might want to stomp them out and, and really like take a stranglehold of this thing. So. Uh, my initial instinct was to lean taking the Patriots here. Bills are getting 99% of the money, 82% of the bets. It's just terrifying, Trav. Uh, you seem to have some insight here on the Bills earlier this week on our text side. What do you think? No, I was just saying that that I think, you know, there are, when you have a team that's guaranteed to be in the playoffs, particularly this year, which is a little different because you have the one buy as opposed to the two, and Buffalo can't really get the buy. Um, you know, what's the motivation to play? And my point was just that there are certain organizations that have been there before with older quarterbacks that I think, you know, they may manage the situation a little differently. So New Orleans or Kansas City or, you know, 
uh, I forget who else we used, but, you know, they may decide to rest Breeze or, you know, rest some guys and, you know, just treat it more like a business transaction because they know what they're getting into with Buffalo. It's like, I don't think they let the momentum down. I don't see the motivation to do that. I mean, they're riding high. I think their best bet is to, you know, play like the Giants in 07 and basically go balls to the wall uh, in the regular season and into the playoffs. Don't let anything uh, slow down at all. So I think, you know, my point in that text exchange was that Buffalo would be motivated to play the game. And I still believe that, but um, you know, New England getting seven at home is interesting to me. They're two and O's you said as a home dog, Buffalo is only two and three this year as a road fave. Um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of curious, it, but I didn't circle new England because it just feels like the kind of game that you could talk yourself into. And then all of a sudden it's 17, three at halftime or something or in the middle of the second quarter, Buffalo's leading and you're just like done. And you know that the Pats can't come back. So uh, the only other thing I had on this game is I asked uh, Logan tonight. She wanted another shout out on the pod. So I said, OK, give me a team you like. She said, well, the Giants, but they suck. So I guess I'd say the Patriots. Um, so <laughs> that that's would maybe be enough for a light circle on the Pats. But that's about it. I I, I, I think we would regret this immediately turning on, on Monday night. I had the it, same exact internal dialogue. it's funny because i I feel like travel all all year you've been rightfully saying that all the stats on the patriots are they're belichick stats but they're also belichick and brady stats um so i'm like the the stats that you quoted uh as as belichick and and the patriots as a home underdog are really uh brady brady stats as well um it's just a different team um so it's kind of hard to hard to buy that right now um i'm fine to stay away stay away from this i I think new england's probably the right side but uh I'm, i'm not gonna go on it Let's not get involved. It's just not worth it. Monday night, we've had so much pain on Monday night, so let's let's not even do it. I I, I do think that Logan's onto something though, because the fourth game on my list is the Giants plus ten and yeah. a half at uh, Baltimore. I, I think they're really good as road dogs this year, not necessarily home dogs. I don't know Baltimore. Now, are we going to start buying them because they blew out the Jags at home? Like they've still been playing really close games for most of the year. Their defense has kind of been underwhelming. Their injury report is terrifying right now. So many guys mispracticed today. Giants are 6-1 and one against the spread on the road this season. Baltimore's covered actually four straight games, ironically. And so they're probably due to, to go the other way because they're not as good as, as people think they are. I, I know Baltimore needs this game, but the Giants need it just as much. What do you think here, Trav, as a Giants fan after that pitiful performance on Sunday night? Yep, it was number four on my list. I didn't want to really bring it up because I don't want to be accused of having any bias. And I just feel like I haven't read the Giants well at all. But they are, you said six and one, you know, on the road against the spread this year. Absolutely true. They're six and oh, is a road on road uh, dog this year. So that's been a good spot for them. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I think Baltimore, you know, a couple weeks ago, they looked shaky as hell. And, you know, they got the crazy win in, in Cleveland. And then they got a kind of cupcake win last weekend. And I, uh, I don't know. I'd be all over the Giants. 11 points seems like an awful lot of points for, for this game. I like the Giants' defense, as long as it can be relatively healthy. You mentioned the Baltimore injury report. I totally agree with it. I, I think this is a great spot for the Giants. They're also going to be getting their their cornerback back this week. Uh, Bradbury. James Bradbury. Yep. Yeah. Um, so I think that uh, that's big for them. I like it. Um, seems contrarian. Seems like a good value. Um, yeah, I, I, I agree with your guys' analysis. I'd be curious if this game is popular kind of and, and i agree with you mark it feels contrarian but 11 points is a lot for a team that's and maybe maybe the things have just gone so quickly out of control for the giants where you know they were everyone was saying oh they're you know going to win the nfc east it's going to be great and then they've immediately you know shat the bed twice in a row and kind of worked all that shine off the rose so I, I don't know it'll definitely be the more popular of the two sides in the contest but i don't know if it'll be popular enough to crack that the top five because i do think there's a lot of juicy square plays out there this week so I mean, they've scored six points last week, seven points the week before, 17 points the, the week before that, <laughs> 19 the week before that. I mean, they didn't score 20 points in almost a month. Um, yeah, which which is scary so, because Baltimore scored 40, 47, and 34 in the last three. Yeah. So they're, the Giants are going to have to score or stop them. I don't know. So, so the, that makes me think, though, it, it's really not going to be that popular. Um, yeah, maybe. And, and Mike, like you said, like Baltimore's been covering uh, at a pretty high rate right now. So I feel like they're kind of a popular public team right now. And also, I think the Giants have had success against the running quarterbacks as far as Wilson. And, and even they, they did play Kyler Murray well the other week. They just didn't score any points. This over under is 44 and a half what I see. So 11 points in this game is pretty crazy. We only have 10 and a half, but same difference, whatever. Oh, all right. Well, still. I like the Giants. I think it's a, it's a smart play. I 
have one more top play that I'll throw out and staying in the NFC East. Talking about Ohio State quarterbacks, Dwayne Haskins, obviously, at the strip club. He won't be active this week. But I do like Washington laying two and a half in a Ron Rivera revenge game at home. I think Washington's just a better team offensively, defensively, special teams, every aspect. Uh, I know Mark doesn't want to go against rule, but I I was pretty unimpressed with them on Saturday night. And we got really lucky that they covered that game against the Packers. I I think they're they're just shot for the season. They're four and ten. They're going to have a top five draft pick. Future's bright, but this team stinks. And Washington's defense is really, really good. Carolina's O-line is very bad, so I think Teddy will take a pounding in this game. He holds onto the ball for way too long, as we saw against the Packers, so he's going to get in trouble this week. Probably some fumbles, definitely a lot of sacks. And if Alex Smith comes back, I do like that aspect here, just two and a half. Although I am I am just skeptical that it's going to be popular. What do you think, Mark? Yeah, I, I, I of course, had Carolina circled. I feel like just it's, it's a little too square. Um, let's take Washington. So wait, you, you think Dennis or Mr. Belding's definitely going to be inactive this week? I, I think team discipline, there's no way in hell they're letting him start this week after what he did. I don't know. I, I just saw that Rivera find him the, uh, today. He answered a question in his press conference. He got kind of a little touchy with the, the reporter that that's done with. It's been dealt with. So I don't know if it's just the fine or it's going to be a suspension or not. But if it is uh, Dennis or, or Mr. Belding, I actually really like Carolina. Like like, like you said, Mike, they, they didn't look great last week against Green Bay, but they, they were competitive. I, I just think he's he's not a good quarterback. And if he's going to be playing, I don't know. I think there's, there's value on, on Carolina. Smith was limited today, so that's trending in the right direction. Yeah, I don't want to stand in the middle of this uh, this duel that you guys have going on. I mean, I think Carolina actually played pretty damn well against Green Bay, particularly defensively in the second half. I mean, they, the Packers did nothing against them, yeah. which was a pretty impressive performance. But, you know, I still like Washington's defense a lot. I, I would, I don't think Washington is a square play in any game just because I don't think they're that good. I don't think anyone thinks they're that good, but... You know, we've been all over the Panthers in various situations this year. And, and Mike makes a fair point. They are four and ten. They're going to have a top five pick. They fired the GM. This thing's getting, you know, rebuilt with rule at the center, which is fair. He's done a, a pretty good job. They've been lively, but uh, they're not that good. I, I'd rather not be involved, but I'll let you guys hash it out and I'll see where I end up. <laughs> and I did think Brian Burns played really well for Carolina in that second half. He got hurt on one of those last sacks against Rodgers. Yeah. I don't know if you guys remember the play limped off. He didn't practice mm-hmm. today. Doubtful yeah. he's going to play this week. McCaffrey's out again. So Washington wins this week. They basically clinched the NFC. East, so and, and and the revenge factor for everything. Rivera, Scott Turner, he's got so many Carolina guys with him at home. I, I just like it. So. so so part of my problem with Washington, and maybe this is just like my perspective because of the games they played against the Giants and the games we've been involved with them in, but I just like I'm trying to favor um, stability this year and I just feel like Washington there's variability every week like it's it's a different quarterback every week you know it's they go from Kyle Allen to Smith to Haskins to you know so it's, it's always moving around I know Kyle Allen's now done but you know there, there's all these turnovers and crazy plays and the defense is good that's pretty consistent but you know everything else around it just doesn't seem like there's any consistency that I can latch on to and just get a really good feel so that's why I struggle with 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 the football team What's crazy is that if the Giants lose to Baltimore and Washington wins, then the football team can rest their starters in Week 17 because they'll be locked into the four seed. So they'll be they'll be seven and eight and be able to rest their their starters in Week 17. It's freaking wild. And Rivera, uh, who who was we went you know the first five or six weeks of the season when you know he was in close game or you know one possession games early in the year and he wasn't using timeouts. He was running the ball because. You know, it was a developmental building year, and now he's going to be fucking resting his starters in week 17 because he's clinched the four seed in the playoffs is like bizarre land. It's it's totally absurd. And it, it, I'm like, I'm sad that he's going to get rewarded for that. Um, on the flip side, I, I do love that that, that rule is going to seems like he's going to have full control over Carolina. I feel like I, I've been advocating for the, the last couple of years that I, I think it's like smart to just like try to give a coach full control and just see what happens. Like, I feel like a lot of the successful franchises in the NFL, like they've just given their coaches full control. It seems to work for a lot of franchises. Maybe it's not going to work with rule, but. You know, like, why not take a shot? Like, you can keep going these these other routes where you you know hire the GM and the coach, and maybe they're on the same page, or maybe they're not on the same page, and it seems to not work out most of the time. Um, so, like, why not take a swing? Yeah, I mean, I think it asks. It depends on what you're asking your coach to do. I mean, if you have a you know a coach that's calling the plays offensively or defensively, and you're going to ask him to be the GM too, it's just it's too much. But for a guy like Rule, who is obviously you know 
he's the CEO type, I think it makes sense. But, you know, there's plenty of other situations. And then, you know, whoever is going to hire the the Rams defensive coordinator or any of those other, you know, side specific guys, it doesn't make sense for that type of setup. I'm excited to bet rule next year, but not this week. Antonio Gibson also limited today in practice. They've definitely missed him in Washington. 55% of the bets on Washington, 55% of the money on Carolina. So I do think they will be pretty good two-way split. This line actually down to one and a half. It's two and a half in the contest. So it leads me to believe that maybe more people will be on Carolina than Washington. And maybe it won't be that popular. I'll just uh, get this last one out of the way here since we're making our rounds in the NFC East. I don't like this game. We won with Dallas last week as a home dog. I would lean that way this week, but I don't love it. Obviously, the trends are, are majorly on Philadelphia as far as bets and percentage of money. Philadelphia laying two and a half. I do think Hertz is due to come back to earth here. Everyone thinks he's the second coming there in Philadelphia, but we know how these things work. Once you get a couple good weeks under your belt, you're, you're generally due for a stinker. And I do think Dallas's defense has been pretty lively. I, I think it's a stay away, but I just I'm curious if either of you guys had this game circled in either way. What do you think, Trev? I did not. I don't have much to say about it. It's another game that that would lean Dallas because is the home dog, but it may even be more than a lean. I would be curious about it, but it's not a top five game for me. Same here. Uh, I, th- I think I had a late circle on Dallas, but I didn't have a strong case to take them. Out, out of curiosity, I, I just came across a stat um, in terms of the the current active backup quarterbacks. Can you guys name the top five in terms of career earnings right now? Chase. Daniel. Uh, Chase Daniel's in the top 10. One of them is in this game. Carson Wentz, he's in the top five right now. He's, he has 79 million career earnings. Glennon. Uh, Glennon is not up there. That's actually surprising when you think about it. Oh, Foles? Uh, Foles is up there. Yep. He's top five. Like Glennon signed a big contract, probably never got paid for any of it. Jameis? Jameis is top 10. Mm. Mariota? Top 10. Fitzy. Fitzy, top five. We didn't get number one yet. You did not. I mean, it, it's it's kind of oh, obvious. Flacco, Flacco, yeah, yeah, yeah. number one, yeah. <laughs> uh, number number two, Matt Schaub. Um Oh God, I can't believe he's is still. Is Henny up there? Uh, I don't see Henny. No, that's mm. interesting. Henny's never made any money. I, I, I can't believe Matt Schaub's still in the league. That's that's wild. Matt Schaub was drafted when we were in college or coming out. I mean. <laughs> He's been in the league for 14 years. <laughs> Crazy. Mark, do you have any uh, heavily circled games left here on your list or no? Uh, no, I don't. So I, I defer to you guys here. Trav, I'm out. What about you? Yeah, I only have one more. And it's just, you know, we took Seattle two weeks going against the Jets. They won 40 to three, you know, off of that performance that everyone saw. And everyone was laughing about the Jets being the worst team in the league. You know, we took the Jets in, in uh, Los Angeles. Now everyone's talking about the Rams losing to the Jets, and I would just be curious about the Rams getting one and a half points on the road in Seattle. I know it's below the three you typically get uh, divisional games, so maybe it's no value there. Maybe it keeps people off the scent. The Rams are three and one against the spread off a loss, so I'm curious. Looks like 60% of the bets on Seattle, 50% of the money, so it's not maybe enough to make a, a difference. But I just kind of like these a team that just lost in horrific fashion. You know, that's really a pretty good team. Uh, coming back and taking them here, I think it'd be an, an interesting spot for the Rams. Yeah, I had a general same thinking during the Rams game. I was like, we've got to take them next week, but it's now 60% of the money. 63% of the money is actually on LA, and this line's dipped all the way down to one, so it's trending towards a pick em. I, I just think it's more of a toss-up, and uh, if the Rams were getting three in this, I'd be all over it. McVay, I think, just plays really well against his divisional opponents, but and Carroll in particular, but they did get the best of them earlier this year in LA, which worries me. I don't know. I just think it's more of a stay away. I can't get a read on it. What do you think, Mark? I, I think I agree. But I mean, if Trav, you, you were kind of passionate or Mike, you got on board as well. Um, I, I can get involved. Um, wait, I, wait. I think the Rams are the right side. But um, yep. Mike, I'm curious. I mean, so so the Rams were getting 50 percent of the money. Now they're getting 65 and the line's going lower. So that's, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah it's moving in the right us. direction. It's moving in the right direction. Right. So, it so now, more- now we have divergence. Right. So there's more bets in Seattle. There's more money on the Rams, which is something that we've, yeah. has been pretty unique this year. Worked well for us last week um, in a couple of spots, but I don't know. I'd like to keep the Rams alive at the very least. I'd be that's curious fair. to continue to discuss it. Yeah, that's yeah, cool. I think Agree. I think Acres is out next week, which which bugs me. But um, I, I could just this Seahawks defense against some weaker opponents. I feel like this has gotten a little bit. I don't know. People have kind of buried that whole take that they're terrible, but they may still not be that good. Yeah, I think there'll be a good two way action on this game in general in the contest. So I'm not worried about it. In that respect, uh, what the hell were the were the Rams' defense doing against the Jets? 
<laughs> this defense is supposed to be, everyone was talking about it like top three, top four in the NFL. That was fucking embarrassing. Yeah, I, I mean, think I think everyone it, gets a game. Honestly, yeah. like, I, I think it's still good. I don't know. I'm not. And no. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's just, you just no show against the opponent where you're, you're 17 point favorites. And I don't know. Yeah. You just kind of no show it. That's and fair. We said last week, too, when we were, when we were shooting the Gets, Jets game back and forth, that it was a look ahead spot for the Rams because they had yeah. Seattle this week. So, I mean, Totally. It could show up in the field. Not not that I think the guys don't care. It's not that. It's just, you know, you think you can kind of roll the ball out and beat up a really shitty team, and that didn't happen, but it doesn't mean that they're any less prepared for this week. Yeah, that's true. All right, I have one, I have one, I actually do have one game left just from a, a purely trends perspective. There's 99% of the money on one side. The line is lesser in the contest. It's Denver getting three against the Chargers in L.A. It's three and a half in most places. I don't know why they're... They put up three here, but the Chargers are getting 75% of the bets and 99% of the money. I just like Denver as a live dog. The secondary, obviously, is terrifying, especially going against Herbert in that passing attack. So that would be one reason not to force it. And we certainly saw it on display on Saturday night with Denver against Buffalo. But divisional game, I think it'll be a little tighter for them and Fangio knowing what to do. I think there's a chance that Bosa might not play. He's got a concussion. So three points is probably the right line and probably a reason to do nothing. But it just stood out to me that the money and the bets were all on one side. Yeah, Mike, I agree with you on, on the side. I just, these are two teams that I just can't seem to read this year. Um, so I don't really have much to add in terms of analysis, but um, I, I do think it's the right side. Yeah, I think I had two weeks in November where I read Denver finally correctly and then I lost it again. So um, <laughs> I, I don't really need to be involved. I'm not entirely sure where the Chargers get off being a three and a half point fave against anybody. Yeah. I, I don't I don't need to force this, I don't think. All right. Um, I think we have a bunch of games. Just going to list these off in case anybody forgot anything. I think Indy Pittsburgh, probably a stay away. Yeah, on that game, I mean, I, I initially watching the Steelers, you know, I was like, oh, we got to take them because it can't be this bad. You know, watching them against Cincy the other night. But, you know, they've had a couple of chances now to bounce back of bad performances and they haven't done it. And they may just be may just be shot here. Yeah, I agree. Casey, Atlanta. We can't seem to, to time the Falcons well either way. I can't really seem to time the Chiefs well either way. KC's laying 11 in the contest, down from 12 and a half. So there is some Atlanta action coming in, but uh, you're not going to get me to take Matt Ryan and Arrowhead. So uh, that one's probably out. And then another big line, which we didn't talk about, Cincy getting eight at Houston. Line's probably too big, but don't really want to take Cincy off a letdown spot from Monday night. I don't think they're ever going to be that good again. So. I don't really have any thoughts on that game either. I hate both those teams. I don't want to watch that game. We kicked around Cincy last week, and that would have been just a heroic play. What the fuck was that defense on Monday night? I mean, that looked like the 85 Bears. <laughs> like, what was that? I don't know. Is that just how bad the Steelers' offense is? Well, maybe some of it, but like how these these Bengals were hitting, and like, what the fuck? They were flying around. That, that was insane. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it, it felt like there was a crowd there, too, because they felt like they were like feeding off some sort of like energy. It, yes, it, was, it was totally right. bizarre. Um, yeah, they did have a crowd, at least. But it was mostly Steelers fans. <laughs> yeah, I, I could not believe that one guy after he, he uh, got the INT and was high stepping, but he could have like returned more yards. <laughs> <the> like 40. <laughs> he went out of bounces. Like, he literally high stepped out of bounds at the 40 and he drew a personal foul. So maybe that was his plan. Oh. <laughs> got an extra 15 tacked on. Speaking of the Bengals, Mark, you just sent this out. Marvin Lewis interviewing for some jobs in the NFL. I think he's interviewing in Houston. So the, the tangled web of this game with the Bengals visiting the Texans. But uh, the ticker just popped up right now. I'm watching this Suns Mavericks game that Marvin Lewis coached in Cincinnati for 16 years. I still can't believe he lasted that long. Freaking crazy. Well, but it, and, and I was totally fine with them moving on. They gave him more than enough time when they you know decided to finally <laughs> cut the cord. But the fact is, it's like, look at where we are now. Like <laughs> they would pay for Marvin Lewis again. You know, some of these times it's like, and I go through this with Michigan. It's like everyone wants to fire Harbaugh. That's fine. But who are you going to replace him with that's better? It's all got to line up. You got to make it right. And that's. It's like Lloyd Carr and uh, Mac Brown. Look at, look at what Mac Brown's doing in North Carolina this year. Texas should just held on to him. Totally. And Lloyd Carr, that's his own thing. That was not, that was not a school decision. Okay. Sorry. I didn't mean to. For the record. Okay. Gotcha. All right. So here, here we are sitting here. We got, I think we have a nice group. So San Francisco, Jacksonville. Las Vegas, Green Bay, Giants, and then I have Washington and L.A. Rams in there. I'm not going to put the Patriots in. I don't think we're ever going to get there with it. So that would be one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. If we wanted to narrow down five and get San Francisco in, we could certainly do that by Friday. We'd just have to monitor some injury reports tomorrow and 
spend a little less time with our families on Christmas Eve, but there's always little moments to get away and check Twitter and we can't go anywhere anyway. So I don't know. It's a pretty good group. Do we want to bring back the podlock? I know we upset a lot of people last week by not doing it. What do you guys think, Trav? Yeah, I mean, people were pretty disappointed, but now I now I don't know that you just go back to it. I mean, we wasted a chance to keep it going. We also went three one and one, so it's not like we were punished for it. I, I think we should do it the last two weeks, personally. All right, I think we should lock the Giants. I don't see us coming off of that. I seem I think like we were the most united in that game. <laughs> I okay. like it. Yeah, uh, Brock Brock Hewitt on the call with, with Kevin Coogler. God what, damn it. what could go wrong? I, I do have a, a Damon Heward update. I, I did uh, look him up to see what he's doing right now. He's the director of community relations and fundraiser at the University of Washington, where he went to school. Uh, his son, Sam, a left-handed quarterback, is a five-star recruit that just committed to Washington for 2021. Great. Wow. Maybe he could be on the Jets in 2025. <laughs> <laughs> Locking that, that number one pick. <laughs> we do have Hussey on the Giants game. Is that good for us, Trev? Yeah, that works. I'm, I, I like that a lot. Okay. The, the right. only thing that the only thing that bugs me a little bit, I'm just I'm having flashbacks to a mobile quarterback in Arizona and Kyler, you know, destroying us on the ground. But that was more broken plays than the designed runs. I think they'll be prepared for against Baltimore. Yeah, and I think DJ will be back, which will be good because I mean. We like no, the, Col- Col- no the, the McCoy thing runs its course in, in the matter of hours. It's, it's, yeah. We don't measure that in weeks. We measure that in hours. If DJ's ruled out, I do think we can we can back out of this one and maybe we sure that that would be the only caveat. If Jones plays, we're going to podlock the Giants. You better lock it up. No, you lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up. San Francisco, we got to decide by Friday morning. I still need some convincing on Jacksonville, but I can probably get there. It seems like we all like Green Bay. We all like Las Vegas and then kicking around Washington and, and Los Angeles. It's a pretty good group. Swing for the fences here in week 16 and, and try and get back in it. Mark, you got some uh, trivia for us? I do. Just to recap last week, I think I asked who, what quarterback had had the, the most Russian TDs of all time. Um, and I think you guys had correctly answered uh, post-pod. Um, that was Cam Newton. So he has 69 career rushing touchdowns, which is way ahead of the second person. Um, but curious if you guys can name the second person off the top of your heads. I mean, I looked at it at the time, so I know the second person, I think it was Steve Young, but I could be wrong. I don't remember now. Yeah, it's Steve Young. Uh, he has 43. So Cam Newton, pretty far ahead, 69 to 43. But I imagine a lot of these records probably be broken in this generation. Uh, but anyway, for for this week, for you guys... I think you guys wanted me me to make it a little bit more challenging. So I think this is more of a tougher question. And I think it's, um, you got to know a lot to answer this question correctly. Um, But in the Super Bowl era, which stadium has had the best postseason winning percentage for its host team? So that's basically uh, since 1967. Can you guys name the the stadium that has had the, the best postseason winning percentage for its host team? Um, and it's a minimum of 10 games. Does this include Super Bowls? Because technically there's a host team in a Super Bowl? Uh, sure. I, I don't know if the, the host team would have played in a Super Bowl, but um, yeah, sure. No, no team's ever played in the stadium that hosts in a Super Bowl. I'm saying like they designate one of the teams as the home team. Is right. that what right. I'm no, no, no. You're getting too technical. Okay. No. Okay. No. All right. Yeah. I mean, I would just go to New England. Would just be off the top of my head without thinking twice. Yeah. yeah, but Mark uh, said it was challenging. Correct. Yeah, that's incorrect. But uh, <laughs> I think that's, that's that's a good guess. It's a very good so guess. So it's winning percentage, you said. But ten winning games. Percentage. Ten games. Minimum of ten games. So you got to think of a team that has gone to the playoffs for a amount. They haven't they, changed oh, stadiums. Oh, they haven't changed stadiums. Okay, that was going to answer one of them. Yeah, so, so when they get in, basically they stadium. they go. And the stadium that's the correct answer is still active. I, I didn't. I didn't answer that. Oh. Candlestick. <laughs> no, it, it's not candlestick. Fuck. All right, I'm out. Challenging. So it's not an active stadium. I'm gonna guess from that response, on, unless Mark's really, really good at duping me here. Is it M and T Bank Stadium, Ravens? Uh, no, it's not. That's a good guess. That is a good guess. I feel like they, they had a lot of success on the road, though. Yeah, they won that they one did. Super Bowl. Also, M&T Bank is a well-known Buffalo-based bank. That stadium name has probably had some turnover, too. I guess it's... Uh, oh, B- Ralph Wilson Stadium. Bills? 
Uh, no. That's, that's also a good guess. They, they might winning, not winning reach the, the 10-game huh? game requirement. Well, no, all those Jim Kelly teams, they were playing two games a year for four years in a row and winning them both. They went 8-0 just in four years in a row. So that's eight games. Yeah, you figure they got two more. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, Super Bowl era. I feel like the Packers have lost. I was going to say Lambeau, but it's probably not right. They've lost a lot. Yep, I agree. Do you, do you want the record of this team in their stadium? Yeah. Sure. 12-1. and one. Mm. one loss. And this team has won a Super Bowl? Uh, yes, they have. 12-1? and one? I'm going to take a stab here with RFK Stadium, Redskins. That's, that's a great guess, and that's correct. Wow. Uh, RFK Mike, Stadium. You're killing yeah, it. Washington went 12-1, 9-23 winning percentage. Uh, I guess that's primarily the, the Joe Gibbs years. Wow. Nicely done. I'm Great impressed. job. A lot of incorrect guesses, so yeah. not exactly amazing. But yeah, the, the, all the bad luck is just with Snyder and, and FedEx. So yeah, there were really, really a lot of good times for the Washington football team in, in the 80s and early 90s. Also, I think Gibbs won, I mean, it should be said, won three three Super Bowls, I believe, with three different quarterbacks, right? Did he? Theisman, Williams, and Rippon, I believe. Correct. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. yeah. That's a, that's a it's pretty impressive. Too. I know he didn't win the Super Bowl. He came back in, what, the 2000s, and they were a playoff team, right? Yeah. It didn't go as well, I think. No. Times. But, yeah, but they, they were still they a, a playoff team, like, under Snyder's ownership, like, with him. Like, that's I, that's impressive in, on its own, I think. Yeah. True. Before we get to another question, if you have one, I just wanted to point out that Aqib Talib is not calling a game this week, and I'm very disappointed. <laughs> he was freaking awesome during that Eagles game, and it was such a breath of fresh air compared to some of these other losers, so... I'm sad. I'm sad he's not with us again this week. Did Did you guys follow like the, the Twitter chatter on that at all? It, it was like very polarizing. Like either people loved him or they hated him. Well, I can imagine. <laughs> I don't. I did not, but I can imagine that being the case. I mean, I, I was following Joe Banner, the the former general manager of the, the Eagles, um, and he was tweeting at Eli Apple's mom, and they were going back and forth. I guess Joe Banner was not a fan, and she was like, "Why? Like this is a race thing and the whole thing." Eli Apple's mom. (laughs) (laughs) She's got her own podcast. She's a bigger star than Eli Apple. Yeah. Well, she was from day one. Remember? That was a fucking thing. (laughs) Another question, Mark? Or you want to leave one for us or for the uh, listeners? I mean, I could give you guys another one or or leave one for the listeners. It's up to you guys if if you're happy. I'm feeling feeling frisky in week 16. Let's do it. Mike's been like killing the trivia the last couple weeks. So give him another one. This is, I think, an impossible question for you guys, but I'm going to ask it. Last week, I was talking a lot about decades. Um, <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to go right back to it. Who was the first player born in the 1990s to appear in an NFL game? Mm-hmm. And, and the one hint I'll give to you is that his name has definitely been mentioned at some point on this podcast. This current one we're on, not just for the season. No, no. Yeah, the, the season. Sorry. Okay, the season. Yeah, right. no, 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 not today. First player born in the 90s, so that would make him... So say he's been only like nine or ten years, nine, eight years. 30. It'd be 30. There's a lot of players. Do we get a hint on any type of... Uh, Yeah, sure. I, I can give you a hint. Well, I, I told you he's been his name's been mentioned on this podcast before. Do you want a position? Seems reasonable. There's a lot of players. <laughs> yeah. Seems okay. Uh, wide receiver. DeAndre Hopkins. Mm-mm. No. Earlier. Earlier. Oh, he's gonna be like thirty now. You're right. Okay. Do Do you want the year that he appeared in a game? No. no we let's can get let's it. Take a couple cracks here. Des Bryant. It's a good guess. Yeah. It's a good guess. Alshon. No, it'd be earlier than that. Hakeem Nix. <laughs> <laughs> Good guess. <laughs> really good guess. Uh, he wouldn't right, have been mentioned on this podcast, though. Uh, right, right. Maybe we brought him up once. So, so you're you're right. He's he's actually exactly thirty right now. That's so he was twenty when he was drafted. It's good deductive reasoning. <laughs> Edelman's older than thirty, right? So he's like thirty-five. Oof, jeez, Jules. Where does the time go? He's still in the NFL, Mark. Yeah. Yeah, DeAndre was was a good guess. He he was 
92, but uh, that's a good guess. 2014 draft, I think. AJ Green? Not AJ. Hmm. That's a good guess. Antonio Brown? Nope. No, he was older when he got drafted. Uh, Mike Evans? No. Nah, nah, he's, he's 27. Do we have an, is there one more clue you could possibly... I don't know if I want to give the team... No, don't give the team. Because you've been on the same team his whole career? No. 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 Hmm. He's on a different team right now than the team that drafted him. I'll, I'll give you the conference that he plays in right now. Okay. AFC conference. <laughs> the American Football Conference conference? Yeah. This is redundant. I can't think of any Jets. Bills. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going the other way. Uh he's a crafty vet now. Crafty. Who's crafty? <laughs> <laughs> no, the Raiders don't have anyone crafty, do they? Uh do they? No. Michael Floyd? No. That's Michael guy. Floyd. Is I don't he know. still alive? I thought he's on the Raiders like <laughs> Is he like reserve. him and Joe Webb, maybe? <laughs> Do you want the team? I can't. I can't give you the team that he originally played for because I feel like that'll give it away. Was he a first round draft pick? Hmm, <laughs> that's a good question. I don't, I don't know if that's going to help me. Yeah. I don't. I don't think so. I think he was like a second rounder. Cobb. Wow, Trav Randall Cobb. <laughs> Nicely <laughs> done. He's only thirty. <laughs> yeah, this is crazy, right? He was born on my birthday, August twenty second. August twenty wow. second, nineteen ninety. Uh, two thousand eleven, he became the first person born in the nineties to appear in an NFL game. He returned to the opening kickoff for the Packers. Wow, that's you a know great. What's crazy? That's a, it's, first of all, it's a really good question. But it's like if you start going through the teams, like you can come out pretty quickly. Like you can go through all these teams. It's like none of these receivers are that old. Yeah, like the whole crafty vet receiver. It's like they they don't almost don't exist anymore it's crazy it's a young man's game that, that's nicely done I mean, i'm impressed that, that was awesome i can't believe he's only 30 but it's like okay so he's he's 30 but think of can you come up with an older receiver in the afc besides the AFC? Edelman? yeah i was gonna say fits but uh in the afc this is a fun game can we name an older receiver in 30 <laughs> in the afc i think yeah uh besides edelman how old Beasley? Maybe early 30s. Maybe. I don't think so. I think he's 26 or 27. Because I think they showed it the other night and I was shocked how young he was. Beasley is 31. Oh, 31. Wow. Okay. Good on you. I mean, AJ Green. He's probably... Born in Houston, oh, yeah. bizarrely. AJ Green. Yeah. Good question, Mark. All right. Why don't you give give one out for our viewers and we'll get the hell out of here and uh, start our Christmas break. Okay, for the listeners this week, this is kind of a complicated question, but I'm going to try to phrase it the right way. So there's three NFL quarterbacks that have beaten all 32 NFL teams. That's Brett Favre, Peyton Manning, Drew Brees. Four others have beaten 31 teams. Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Ben Roethlisberger. Who is the fourth? It's mm, a good question. All right, everybody think about it. I don't think it's Eli, but that's going to be my guess. I think I'm wrong. Don't answer it, Mark. Obviously, we'll update you next week. Podcastpicks.co on Sunday to see our picks. Podlock is the Giants, plus 10.5 at Baltimore. So go G-Men for me and Trav, even though their season's probably over. But maybe they can get a nice little cover here before the, the nail on the coffin is sealed. And Merry Christmas. And we'll talk to you for week 17 next week. Merry Christmas, guys. Yeah.